My name's Travis. I'm one of the pastors here at the village. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, it's, uh, it's cliche, I think, at this point to talk about the fact that it's the beginning of the school year, but it's rude of the calendar for it to already be August. Does anybody agree with that? It's just like the calendar is rude for it to be the be- Yeah, I see some students raising their hands. Uh, if, you are, uh, if you're a student, you're excited about the beginning of the school year, if you'd make some noise. If you are a parent and you're excited about the start of the school year, would you make some noise? If you're a teacher and you're excited, would you make some noise? Okay, yeah, we got one of our teachers excited. That's so good. We hope the rest of you are encouraged this morning um, to be here. Well, I, I'm just, I'm glad you're here, and I'm, I'm thinking about the beginning of the year. I actually uh, generally love the start of a school year or the start of a calendar year because I'm the type of person that really likes second chances and new opportunities. I need a lot of them in my life, and so I feel like August gives me a chance for that. January gives me a chance for that, and so I just want to ask you to think about this this morning. Like, What do you want this year to be like? What do you want this year to be like? What are you, Christmas? I think that's what I heard, yeah. I I would like this year to be like Christmas every day. Uh, What are you hoping for this year? Maybe you haven't had a chance to think about that yet. Maybe maybe you don't know, but if I forced you or asked you to think about that, what are you hoping for this year? What's that? Jesus and God. I think that's, that's it. Let's pray and we can go home. That's so good. That's so good. What else are we hoping for this year? What are you hoping for this year? This does not have to be a rhetorical question. Safety? What are you hoping for? Friends? What are you hoping for for this year? You don't have to raise your hand. You just call it out. Fall break. (laughs) I am already hoping for fall break. Can I get an amen? amen? What else? What are you hoping for this year? What are you hoping for? Yeah. Winter break. Winter break. Yeah, all, we're hoping for the breaks. For sure. For sure. Anything else? Support. Support. Happiness. Straight A's. I like that. Peace. Strength. Kindness. Lots of things that we're hoping for this year. Um, I love this quote. This, uh, it's been attributed to C.S. Lewis. Whether or not he actually said it, I don't know and I don't care because I love the quote anyway. But the quote is this, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and you can change the ending, right? All of us, we've come into this place and uh, some of us have pages of our story that have been written. Some of us have chapters of our story that have been written. And I just want to say August 6th, 2023 is a new chance, a new opportunity for every single one of us to operate in a different way and to change how the story ends. In the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament, I love how it says this. It says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. I love the notion that God is a God of second chances. Right? God will give you second chances and third chances and 47th chances. I know I need them in my own life. And you can't change what's already happened in your life, but you can change what happens moving forward. Uh, something that unites us all together as human beings on the planet, and it's probably at the heart of a lot of what we're hoping for for the year, is that 
is that we all want to matter. It's like we're hardwired. We want to matter in some way. We all want to matter to somebody. We all want to do something that's significant in some way. We want what we do to matter. I was reading an article this week. Uh, the article was entitled The Science of Mattering. And it said a few things. Number one, it said that feeling like you matter can actually hardwire the connections and make new neural pathways in your brain. It actually makes some connections in your brain. And so because of those new connections, when you feel like you matter, it leads you to have more self-esteem, more self-worth, increased motivation, increased energy. Uh, Feeling like you matter, it sets off what's known as the happiness trifecta in your brain, which is three neurotransmitters. Uh, The first service got all three of them. I'm going to give you a chance to match. Does anybody know what they are? You can just name one of them. Three neurotransmitters. I I believe in you. (laughs) Dopamine. Serotonin. This was the third one in the the first service too. What? Truth. I like that. It's not quite accurate, but I do like it. Oxytocin. Yeah, those are the, that's the, called the happiness trifecta. And when you feel like you matter, it increases the level of the happiness trifecta in your brain and it elevates your mood. Uh, there was also a study done back in the 1970s. A Harvard scientist did a study that showed that feeling like you matter can actually increase the length of your life. And so the researchers took About 100 people who were nursing home residents broke them into two groups. To the first group, to to all of them, they gave them a plant in their room. To the first group, they said, you are responsible for watering the plant and keeping the plant alive. To the second group, they said, we just want to give you this plant, but you don't have to worry about it. The nursing home staff will take care of the plant. At the end of 18 months, twice as many people in the first group were still alive. Why? Because they felt like they mattered They mattered to that plant. They had some level of responsibility. Someone or something else was counting on them. That's at the heart of so much of what we want for ourselves this year is this desire to matter, to matter to something, to matter to somebody, to matter to people. And and here's the cool thing. We're going to have opportunities, every single one of you. You're going to have opportunities this year to interact with hundreds and maybe even thousands of people. Every single one of us, you're going to go into school, you're going to interact with hundreds or maybe even thousands of other students. Uh, You're going to go to work, you're going to interact with hundreds or maybe even thousands of other people. Wherever you go, you're going to go into social situations, you're going to interact with hundreds, maybe even thousands of other people, and every one of those interactions is an opportunity to matter to somebody else. The possibilities are endless, right? But I think, and, and Jesus talks about this, I think how much we matter comes back to one simple decision that we can make. One simple decision. Jesus actually talks about this decision in Mark chapter 9. And here's what he says. He challenges them in this instance. In Mark 9, starting in verse 30, it says, Leaving that region, Jesus and the disciples traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there because he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and he wanted to teach them. And so he said to them, referring to himself, the Son of Man, is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later he will rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. It goes on, verse 33, it says, After they arrived on their journey, they arrived at Capernaum, and they settled in a house. And Jesus asked his disciples, What were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer, because they had been arguing about which one of them 
was the greatest. They'd been arguing out on the road. Jesus knew it. He overheard it. He said, hey, guys, what were you talking about on the road? And it said they didn't answer because they'd been arguing about which one of them was the greatest. Now, here's the deal. For nine chapters, the disciples have been walking around following Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. They've been watching him. They've been observing how humble he is, how kind he is. They've been watching him talk to people that nobody else would talk to and heal people that nobody else would heal and interact with people and do things that nobody else would do or could do. Uh, just a few verses earlier at the end of chapter 8, Jesus says this to that same group of disciples. He says, hey, if any one of you wants to be my follower, you've got to give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. So Jesus said, you got to give up your life. And then he says to them, I'm about to die. And the very next thing they do is what? They start to argue about which one of them is the greatest. You see the disconnect here. I see the disconnect here. And we could, give them, <clears throat> we could give them a really hard time. I like to give the disciples a really hard time for how often they don't understand, how often they don't get Jesus. But let's be honest, it's almost 2,000 years later, and not a lot has changed, right? Because in our culture, we spend a lot of time arguing about which one of us is the greatest, Right? Which one of us is the greatest? We're arguing about who's the best on the team. We're arguing about or competing to be the best at work. We're arguing about who's the best in our family or who's the best at home. Anybody have arguments like that in your family at home? Yeah, we have arguments like this in my family at home. I've got three boys. We have arguments like this at home all the time. And every time this argument breaks out at our house about which one is the greatest, I turn to Amanda, my wife, and I'm like, hey, babe, we get it. Please stop bragging, right? <laughs> we, we understand. Please stop bragging, right? We're in a world, we live in a world where everybody is trying so hard to matter. Everybody's trying so hard to be noticed to be something, to be significant, right? And because we want so badly to notice or to be noticed and we want so badly to matter and we want so badly to fit in, we, we do things and we say things and we post things that often are just about lifting ourselves up, right? They're not really even who we are. They're not really even what we believe. We're just trying to lift ourselves up so that maybe somebody will notice us and maybe we might matter in some situation or the people that we really want to notice us might notice us. All of us are tempted to do that. If you're a kid, I want you to know the adults in the room, your parents are tempted to do that. We want people to notice us. So we do things and we say things and we post things, right? All of us do it. We want to matter. We want somebody to notice. But Jesus in Mark 9, he offers actually a pretty different solution to the scenario. And it says in verse 35, Mark 9, 35, Jesus sat down. Uh, when a rabbi wanted to teach something significant, instead of standing, the rabbi would sit down. And so when Jesus sits down, you know he's about to say something that he really wants the people to hear. And so Jesus sits down, and he calls the disciples to him. And he said, listen, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Now notice, Jesus doesn't say, hey, I heard you guys arguing, uh, mattering is bad. You shouldn't want to matter to other people. Don't, you don't need to matter to any, that's not what he says. That's not what he says. 
He doesn't say, hey, you know what? Making a difference is bad. He doesn't say that. That's not what he says. Instead, he says, here's how you do it, right? If you want to be first, you've got to live last. If you want to be first, you've got to live last. So Jesus, in this moment, he didn't, uh, he didn't abolish ambition. He didn't say, ambition is really bad, but he substituted for it. And so in places where we've got the ambition to be the greatest and to be the best and to be in charge and to be the boss, right? Jesus substituted the ambition to serve. He said, where you've got this ambition, just substitute it for this ambition. In the places uh, where we've got ambition for other people to take care of us, I mean, who's trying to win the Powerball right now or the Mega Millions? Who's been just dreaming about the people that would take care of you? But Jesus, he, he says, you know what? Rather than thinking about all the people who could take care of you, substitute that. Think about all the ways that you could take care of other people. If you want to be first and if you want to matter most, you've got to live last. Think about the really great people in the world, the people who've made a really significant contribution to the world. Think about the people who've been the most important people in your life. Most likely, they have not been the people who are me first. They're probably the people who take on the mantra of living last, right? The people who matter the most to us, the people who do the most in the world, the people, uh, the, the people like that are not the people who say, how can I use everybody else around me to get what I want? They're the people who say, how can I use everything that I have to serve the needs of other people? The people who matter the most are the people who live last. Just think about that in your own life. The people who matter most are the people who live last. If you want to live last, how do you do that? There's, there's a few ways, right? If you want to live last, you've got to serve first. People who live last are people who serve first. If you want to live last, you've got to give first. Those are the people who matter the most. If you want to live last, you've got to love first. If you want to live last, you've got to seek God first. In, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is talking to the disciples one day, and he notices this, that they are really, really worried about some things. They're worried about how they look. They're worried, they're worried about what they're going to wear. Now listen, I know nobody in here over the last week going back to school has been worried about how you look or what you're going to wear. Right? Nobody's worried about that, right? That was sarcasm. Right? They're, they're worried about how much they're going to have. They're worried about how much they're going to eat. And Jesus says this, whoa, 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 listen, listen to me. If you seek God first, all these other things fall into their proper place. If you want to live last, you've got to seek God first. Living last, it means, it means that you notice the people that no one else notices, Right, living last, it means that you love the people that no one else is keen on loving. Living last means that you serve the people that nobody else wants to serve. It means that you volunteer for the hardest jobs. Uh, I read a story this week about the current CEO of Charles Schwab. His name is Walt. And uh, when he was in college, uh, he was a business major and he was taking a business class and he had these dreams and ambitions that he was going to be a successful and wealthy business person. And so he went to this class, he was learning all these things and he, he talked about the Monday night class he had one semester and from four to eight every Monday, uh, he and his classmates would go into uh, the classroom and they'd, they'd learn about business and how to be successful in business and it got, got to the time of the final exam and he felt like he was going to ace the final exam 
Abraham. He was ready. He knew all the principles. He knew all the things that he needed to do. He knew everything that he should write on the exam. And the professor came in and handed out a blank sheet of paper to everybody in the class and said, your final exam today is one question. You've been here on Monday nights from 4 to 8 p.m. the entire semester. What's the name of the lady who cleans this building? What do you think it was? A cleaner. I love this. This is so much fun. Yeah, your final exam is this. What's the name of the lady who cleans the building? And he said he, he learned through that process that it's not, it's not as much as he thought it was about, uh, about ignoring people to make whatever you're going to make. But it's about noticing the people around you that nobody else might notice. And that's how you're successful in life and in business. I want you to think, think with me for a second about all the problems in the world that would be solved if people would just choose to commit to live last. Right, think about the financial problems in our world that would be solved if people said, you know what, I'm going to be the kind of person who lives last by giving first. Think about all the problems that would be solved. Think about the political problems. that. Now, I know there's not any political problems in 2023, Right? But think about, hypothetically, think about all the political problems that could be solved in our, in our community and in our country if people said, you know what, I'm going to live last and I'm going to serve first. Think about all the relational problems that could be solved if people would say, you know what, I'm going to live last and I'm going to seek God first and I'm going to love first. The people who matter the most in the world are the people who live last. Um, my, uh, my grandmother passed away a couple weeks ago, and, um, and she was the literal best person on the planet. Um, she was the literal best person on the planet. She was, uh, she was fun, and she was so funny, and um, she, she always had a hat to accessorize for a holiday, and like a matching embroidered sweatshirt. Like every holiday, my grandma was going to be dressed up with some kind of eccentric color. Uh, she was a card shark, so she both organized all the card tournaments at the senior center and won them, right, so that, so that she could win the prizes that she organized for them to have. The other people did not like playing cards with her. She was, uh, she was somewhat spontaneous. Um, she and my grandpa met for the first time at a square dance, like you do. And uh, I mean, who among us didn't meet our significant other at a square dance? Right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, apparently back in the day, I learned this in hearing these stories from my grandparents, back in the day at a dance, uh, the ladies would have a dance card that had slots on it for the different dances of the night, and then the gentleman callers would come and they would write their name on the dance card. So when that number was called, you knew who you were supposed to dance with. Well, my, my grandpa saw my grandma, took her dance card, and wrote his name on every slot on the dance card. She was actually not thrilled about it because she saw some other interesting-looking gentlemen at the square dance that she wanted to dance with. So they danced every dance that night. At the end of the square dance, my grandpa proposed, and my grandma said yes. And she said, she said, I always thought that if a better offer came along, I could change my mind. I think she was looking for that better offer for like 65 years of their marriage. Um, I've got a picture. This is actually the epitome of my childhood memories of my grandma. 
So she's, that's, uh, that's my little arm and feet there on that beautiful green couch on the beautiful green carpet. My grandma's trying to show me how to ride that bouncy horse thing. And I, I love everything about this picture. This is my favorite picture from my childhood. Um, I, I just, I want to point this out too. I, that's my dad in the background reading a book like nothing is happening. Right? There's nothing out of the ordinary happening here in this moment. I say all this to say, I just... I say all this to say, my, my grandma mattered to me uh, more than almost any other person on the planet. Like, she mattered to me. And I would argue that she mattered to me because she lived last, right? She lived last. Her impact on me, it's going to, it's going to last the rest of my life because of how she lived last. She served first, and she gave first, and she loved first. And my life is different because of those things. Now, we're headed into a new season, new school year. Um, maybe, maybe this year, maybe this week or last week, maybe you're headed to a new school as a student. Or maybe you're headed to a new school as a parent. Uh, maybe you're not headed back to school, but maybe you're headed into a new work situation or a new social situation. Maybe you're headed into the same work situation or the same school situation or the same social situation, but you're wondering about how to be a new you as you head into that same old place. And here's what I want to say today, August 6, 2023, as the fall is beginning. I believe that wherever you're going tomorrow, I believe God is placing you there with a purpose and with intention. God wants you to matter there. God wants you to be where you're going tomorrow because God wants you to be a force for good in that place of us, wherever you're going to, from the youngest of us to the oldest of us, wherever you're going tomorrow, I believe God's placing you there with purpose and intention. God wants you to be a force for good. And the way to do that, I believe, is to live last. It's to live last. So here's what I want to ask us to do. Uh, here's what I want to ask us to do today. Is we're getting ready to start the year together. Uh, and this might not be everybody, and that is totally okay. But I'm wondering, I'm just wondering if there are any of you this morning who feel led or called to commit to live last this year. All right, those who matter most, I think, are the ones who live last. And so if that's you today, just as a sign of a commitment to step into a new year, with some new intention, if that's you, I want to ask you to stand where you are. If you just say, hey, I'm, I want to commit to live last this year. I want to live last. I'm willing to serve first, and I'm willing to give first, and I'm willing to love first, and I'm willing to seek God first. If that's you, would you stand? Because I want to pray for you specifically today. I'll read this C.S. Lewis quote one more time. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. So if you feel led today to make that commitment, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the ways that you're at work. Thank you for Jesus who didn't diminish our desire to matter, but instead he redirected it. And he told us how we can really do it. And so today, God, I pray that you'd give us the courage and the strength and the wisdom this year to be the kind of people who live last. To be the kind of people who live last by serving first, 
by giving first, by loving first, by seeking you first. And I pray that because of that, we might make an eternal difference in the lives of the people around us. Everybody with whom we interact, I pray that they would be different this year because we've been present in their lives as a force for good and as a force for your kingdom. And so we love you. We thank you for Jesus who's made a way for us, for all that he has been and continues to be in our lives. Amen. I want to ask you to to stay standing, and we're just going to sing this morning. We're going to sing together, so I want to invite you to do that with us.